Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours, the number one live project management radio show in the United States, broadcasting to you today from our Phoenix Business Radio X studio in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, Joe Puzz, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management with our special guests. Also want to thank our sponsors, the PMO Squad. Are you tired of failed projects? Deploy the squad to rescue your PMO and projects. Start recovering lost time, money, and peace of mind. Visit www.thepmosquad.com to learn more about all of their project management services. Before we get into the show, I always like to touch on a couple of things we've got going on in my life. And with Veterans Day coming up, I also want to mention uh, for our frequent listeners, you're aware I'm running the Marine Corps Marathon on October 28th. So we're less than two weeks away, excited and nervous, both at the same time. And I'm also fundraising for a charity called Team Red, White, and Blue, which supports veterans um, getting back into their communities through physical exercise and activities. Right now, I am number one in the country for the number of donations received and number two in the country for amount of money received. So it'd be great if we can get up to number one. And if you have the ability and desire, Certainly appreciate a donation. You can go to pmojoe.com, and there's a link to the Team Red, White, and Blue site, as well as a link to the fundraising page. Uh, learn more about Team Red, White, and Blue. They are a great, great charity. Also, a couple of weeks back, we had a show with Warwick Pond and Hussein Banakawala. Warwick is a executive director over at ASU, and just want to thank Warwick once again for the donation they made to our Veterans Project Management Mentoring Program that we sponsor with Vets to PM and Veterans to Work. Uh, with that donation from ASU, we'll have some veterans who will be able to get some PMP certification and project management training gifted to us from ASU. So thank you, Warwick. And Hussein has been running the PMO, uh, the virtual PMO Summit. That is a free summit with over 20 PMO leaders across the world who have come together to give you insights, tips, and tricks on how to run PMOs. Uh, learn from their experience instead of the hard knocks way of learning from yourself. I'm fortunate to be a presenter in that summit. My presentation is using the PMO approach to build or improve your PMO. Today is the last day of that summit. You can uh, register for free uh, and go out to virtualpmosummit.com to get that access. Also, a reminder to our listeners that we are monitoring Twitter to prove we're actually a live show. You can tweet your questions in for our guests using hashtag PMOJoe, and we will get to those questions live on air and have our guests respond to you. Speaking of guests, we have three of them in studio today, so welcome Jeannie Berry, Thor Thompson, and Jim Watkinson. Jeannie, why don't you take a second and introduce yourself to our listeners, tell a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for letting us be here. This is awesome. My background originally was actually broadcast journalism, <laughs> funny enough. I was one with the school for and then decided to get into the uh, IT world, got into project management through 
uh, KeyBank, which you're from Albany, New York originally, right? Oh, yeah. So you're familiar with KeyBank. Yeah. And I was with them for about 18 years or so. And then I got into the contracting consulting world, I moved out to Arizona about six years ago and uh, worked from home remotely, you know, with Key and then got into the consulting world. And I love it. I've been doing this in project management. So about total over 20 some years, let's say that, <laughs> in project management and um, not looking back. And my forte is infrastructure engineering project management with InfoSec or information security concentration. That's what I'm doing right now, actually. That's great. Yeah. And uh, we'll learn a little bit more as we go along on the show, obviously, with your big background and experience in project management, but mm-hmm. also some of the good will that you're doing on the side from some of your personal interests as well, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. So um, working with Andre House doing, well, there's veterans there too, for the homeless. Um, and then also Feed My Starving Children, which is a great organization here in Mesa, basically feed the, the world, the, the ch- children of the world. And it's really fun little things that we do. It's like group tables and you try and, you know, make the food, uh, box it and all that as quickly as you can. It's like a really fun game that we all uh, play. So I try to do that as much as I can. And, uh, and also like to sing, too. So I'm a singer on the side. That's fantastic. Keep busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaking of feeding, we have Thor Thompson, who is the <laughs> founder, president, CEO, all the big titles for Thorfeed. Thor, welcome and let our listeners learn a little bit more about you. Good morning, Joe. Grew up in Wisconsin. So grew up uh, deep behind the cheese curtain, as I like to say, and on a farm. So that gives me a little bit different perspective on life and hard work. Ended up going to college in Indiana at a Christian liberal arts, Taylor University, where I graduated with a degree in communication studies. And with the economy being bad, it was not a good time for employment. And I ended up going into the Marine Corps and was involved in special operations, traveling around the world and understanding Really, Joe, say thank you for your work with the veterans. Oh, well, thank you for your service, obviously. You're welcome. Without your service, we don't have the uh, the freedoms that we enjoy and the it's ability true. to do things like this show. So okay. thank you so much. It's fun. It's a privilege. It really is. And coming out of that, one of my big things was to learn the situational awareness, project management, teamwork, things that are important. And I started working with my family, my dad and his businesses, we dealt with emergency response to hazardous chemicals and disasters around the world. And then a little event called 9-11 happened and that got bigger and we started working with schools and hospitals and sporting venues. And so I inadvertently fell into the PMO realm without the training. And then uh, one of the associates that I started working with, Mr. Ron Torgerson, said, hey, why don't you consider working for us? And he introduced me to PMO and the training, and I went through all that. And so I honed my skills as I was dealing with a specific program for the Department of Defense, setting up their food defense program. Everybody was looking at gates. Everybody's looking at airplanes, tanks, people. Nobody was looking at their food. Mm. So I've done over 2,000 vulnerability assessments, risk assessments around the globe with the food and food supply chain. And that contract ended as a contractor. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Jeannie gets that. Uh-huh. And uh, Joe, you get that too. Absolutely. And I said, you know, what if I develop some software that would help streamline this and take the different threats and hazards and operational risks? And that became the platform 
for Thorfeed. If we moved to Arizona, had a friend here say, hey, could you do something for farms that have an issue? And that began the journey for farm inventory and feed inventory. That's fantastic. Great story. Thanks for your service and glad to have you with us here today. Jim Watkinson is our third guest today with us in studio. Jim, share with us a little bit, please, if you would, about yourself. Well, thank you, Joe, for having us. I'm a little bit different. I am a technology guy. I uh, grew up in technology. That's what I wanted to do. When I got out of high school, computers were just starting to be the big thing. And I said, I've got to run them. And so that's what I did. I joined companies like um, IBM and Unisys and, and really helped introduce technology to many new industries. And that's what I enjoy doing. Let's, let's take something that we can bring into a new industry and make it run better. That's what I like to do. And so my whole career has been this series of taking technology, figuring out what industries need it and how we can improve that industry. So I met Thor a couple of years ago in our, in our church group and we started talking and he had a, he had a solution uh, that, inquire, uh, that required technology in, in an industry that probably didn't accept technology as, as it could have. And so we, we've been plotting to figure out a way to help farmers improve uh, their operations with this technology. So it's the sweet spot that I love to be in. So that's where I am. Well, thanks for being with us. Uh, we've been doing this show for about eight, eight plus months now, I guess. And we haven't had any project management discussions based on the farming industry. So I'm really looking forward to that today. It's so common to think of project management in the IT space, but it really cuts across all industries. So I think we're going to have a great discussion. Thank you all for being here and really looking forward to it. So Jeannie, you had mentioned your background a little bit and talked about infrastructure and InfoSec. Right. And we've got two great leaders here from Thorfeed. And if we look at that and say, how as a project manager, a consultant or employee, do you deal with leaders who want to take control of projects before the project <laughs> manager does? Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I had that silver bullet, I'd probably be a millionaire right now. <laughs> it's all about communication. I mean, let's just be honest and personality and how you approach people. At the end of the day, we're people, you know, no matter what we do, farming or IT or what have you. So <clears throat> going with facts is also good because a lot of these people are guys, but girls too, but hard facts. So you got to have like a charter. You got to have your documentation all buttoned up, right? Requirements. And if they start going off the rails, you can say, okay, look, if you want this done on th at this time, this budget, all this – you're going to have to pay attention to what you're telling us to do. So that's what I do. I, I make sure that we gather the facts, get everything down. And things change. We're human. We forget, especially with requirements gathering. Uh, having a good business analyst as a PM is also paramount, I, I feel, because their forte is gathering the requirements. And that, I think, if your foundation is not good, it's a house of cards and it's going to fall. So charter requirements. And then from there, you get your project plan. So what I, I like to do is have charter feed into the requirements and that feeds into the project plan. So there's that, that thread that you take all the way through so that when they have to assess the project at the end, did you do what you said you're going to do? Yes. And it's kind of like a checklist of sorts. So that's the way I like to run my projects. Now, if they're going to go off the rails and it depends if you're agile or waterfall, I do a lot of waterfall quite frankly, because mm -hmm. infrastructure engineering, there's an argument out there that you can use Agile with 
with infrastructure and you can, but I haven't really seen it done successfully. I'll just say it like that. But I do have a background in, in ITIL, I'm, or ITIL, I'm Agile and ITIL. So communication and fact gathering, I think, is the way to derail them in and then just have meetings and be open and use the phone. Don't hide behind emails and don't hide behind IMing. They want to hear from your voice. Yeah. And obviously with a background in communication and Thor's communication, mm-hmm. I had my master's degree is organizational communication. Okay. Right? Communication See. theme okay. I find within project managers mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the soft skills, right, that really separate the great project managers from the good ones and having the courage to pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Now, Thor, I would imagine, and Jim, working within the farming industry, obviously some big personalities there as well because, you know, let's face it, these people own their farms. It's their livelihood, right? It's theirs. It's their, They're not a separate company. It's their own piece of that. How do you work with them, uh, these farm owners, in their strong personalities as you're going about your work? Oh, Joe, they're all humble. They're nice. We don't have any problems. Like yeah. communications just flows. I'm they get sure. project management. Can I work for you guys? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's, it's very, very interesting. The dynamics that come up because you typically have a generational environment and you bump into the phrase, this is how we've always done it. I hate that phrase. Or this is how my grandpa did it. Yeah. <laughs> That's common, but you also don't have an environment where people have, I'll say, been highly educated. And if you mention project management, they're like, just tell me plain language. Mm-hmm. So the neat part is you got to do it. You can't fake it. Mm-hmm. And it's exceptionally real. But the communications, like you said, Jeannie, is absolutely imperative. And to be honest, if you're honest, even if you messed up, even if they messed up, as long as you're looking forward, you've got that charter, that focus, you've got your guides, it really, really helps. And then you've got somebody like Jim along who takes it to a whole nother level. I think one of the key things here is we have to recognize that every farm is different and we can't come in and say to a farmer, we're going to change your operations. Just believe us. They're not going to buy that. So what we have to do is we have to really learn how they operate their business and then figure out how we can adjust and integrate these processes, the project management approach of planning and then monitoring and then um, reviewing so that they can see this. And it, once we get their confidence, we can then push the envelope to do more planning. That's what we find. I, th- I think a great example, we recently did one, we, that's the plural we. Mm-hmm. I was sick. The, Jim, royal, the royal we. G- Jim, Jim and uh, another gentleman, uh, Greg Youngs, uh, did a post-harvest debrief. Pretty basic project management mm-hmm. to go through and look at that. The gentleman who owned the farm has been a farmer for 68 years. His son's involved. They've had employees who are involved for over 30 years. Never done that. Said, wow, this is amazing. And now we go down, we, again, I've been there. Jim has too. We go back to their office 
area and they have actionable items, they have schedules, they have goals, they have things written down, they're really making yeah. a big step forward and they don't understand that they're doing project management. Mm-hmm. They're running it like a true business. Yes. No. Yes. That's good. And, and, and the thing we have to realize is that when you look at a farm, a farm really is a production facility. We take raw materials, put it into inventory, apply it to machines, our cows, and then we produce a marketable product, cheese, milk, ice cream, whatever. And if what we can do is if we see the, the harvest activity of gathering, the storing activity, and the, let's say, the um, utilization of the feed are all processes that have a start and end and a repeat. So we can apply project management approaches to those three different cycles mm. um, without even calling it project management. It's just planning, executing, monitoring, review. No, those things happen. And we haven't used the word project management. We haven't used the word, you know, there, there's a lot of words we're not talking about. It's just the things that we're doing to get them thinking mm-hmm. about. You're using the project lifecycle process, actually, from, yeah, from Pimbach. Yeah, it's, yeah. Exactly. exactly. There you go. <laughs> you can take it out of the book and bring it right there. That's yeah. good. And it's nice you guys are doing, like they said, the, the post-mortem or whatever we call it in our, our yeah. lingo. But, Retrospectives. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Retrospectives. And seeing the fruits of your labor, which is interesting because, you know, in farming, the fruits of your labor, now they're actually doing it on a figurative type basis right, instead right. of literally. So that's awesome. Yeah, and it's neat to sit there and say, what would you like to improve? Mm-hmm. And they think, eh, I don't know, it's, it, we're, we're doing good. And, we're doing yeah. good. And then you start kind of inching in. And this is what's really unique for me in this industry is to come in and to say, your feed and feed management is over 50% of your expense. So on a 7,000 head farm, or say a 1,000 head farm, Jim, how much would that be? Well, the, the, the cost on an annual basis of a 1,000 head farm using average costs is about $2.5 million mm-hmm. to feed all those animals. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the, we call it what is called the, the loss you have in your feed, it's called feed shrink. It ranges anywhere from three I'm sorry, six to 30%. And the average is 18. So what we do is we sit down with a farmer and we say, okay, here's a thousand head. Your farm's a thousand head. Your average cost per head is $7. Let's say you're very good at managing your feed shrink and it's at 10%. That means that 70 cents on every cow you're losing. Mm, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. That think. means every day you're losing $700. At the end of the year, that's $250,000 of lost feed. Plus interest <laughs> on the yeah. loan that you took to get the feed yeah. in the equipment. So you're quantifying it for them so they can see. People know the cost per cow. They know uh, the number of cows they have. They're not looking at the big picture of what's it costing me every year. $250,000 is a tractor and a couple other buildings. I like you guys are doing this too because, you know, some of our government subsidized. So it's actually coming out of my tax money. At the end of the day, you're saving me money. So 
That's awesome. <laughs> and, and, the, and that's what's neat about this mm-hmm. is to say there are farmers that when we started the program and we started our beta project, we were mentored by farmers who sit there and literally, I'll say micromanage and really get the concept of project management in saying, here's what I'm going to harvest. Here's the 20 steps. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to measure, manage, look at this, put it all together. And these are the guys, men and women, who beat me and Jim over the head for four years now and have said, this is how you have to do it. And their margins are so much more significant. And yet, Joe, we get to an environment where unless it's kind of a special event, one farmer doesn't sit down for lunch with the other. And it's like, hey, I got my own little Oh, fiefdom here. Sure, yes, you're the wealth well, and knowledge. And they think don't. of other industries, right? It's great to hear about something you're unfamiliar with and then find commonality with what you are familiar with. Mm-hmm. So whether it's healthcare or semiconductor or retail or e-commerce or others, they go through those same exercises, right? Yeah. Yeah. In creating your business case before your project, you identifying go. your requirements before mm-hmm. you execute on your project. Mm-hmm. In, in farming, you know, we don't, us uneducated to the industry don't think in those spaces, right? We don't understand the metrics that Jim just talked about, but we certainly understand ROI and business case. And to see them exercised in that industry is fantastic, right? And to be able to understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then project management takes it back and says, all right, so are you capable of doing this? Because you may come up with the best plan, the best charter, the best action items, True. Yeah. best schedule, best Gantt chart. Yeah. <laughs> if they're not capable, it doesn't matter. True. And you talk about the communications, Jeannie. Over half the staff is speaking Spanish and don't speak English. Okay. So now, how do you got, now yeah. what? Yeah, that's an interesting wrinkle, huh? <laughs> now, there's always, uh, I find it, and Jeannie, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, right? There's a balance between and, and process and execution, right? And, and being able to understand how to manage a project or a program and not over-process it yeah. and let the team actually go deliver. Yeah, exactly. How do you do that? And it ties in a little bit to what Thor was just talking about. See, we've had, we've meetings on meetings on meetings on meetings. But unfortunately, how do you get people to talk and see what, what's going on unless you have these meetings? So putting putting them, I would say putting them on in a spotlight and say, look, you know, this is what we need to do. You guys have a job to do. What are the roadblocks? What are the speed bumps? What's going on with you? So I can help you as a project manager buffer and keep the noise away so that you can do your job effectively and efficiently. So um, getting them to do what they need to do. I mean, just again, pulling up the facts and also too, you have to make sure that there's buy-in from everybody in the beginning. You can't just say, okay, I'm writing up a charter. You guys, these are the requirements, you know, and it's it's a continuous process and getting them engaged and making them want to do this, even though they're getting paid for it, they have to want to do it and want to be involved. Just like the guys at the farms, you guys can tell the farmers, you know, what they should do, but you got to engage them and get them to want to do it. Numbers is a good way to do it. Money is a good way to do it. But how else do you get them to want to uh, incentivize them to do it? Right. And, and that's a that's a great point. And that's some of the things that we had to do, which are kind of out of the normal realm. And especially with a project management program in a startup, you have mm-hmm. to find those things. So 
Jim, what is one of the first things that we show the farmers? Oh, yeah. This is, this is really interesting. Well, what do you do in a project? You want people to see what the end game should look like. Yes. So, so you want to give them the big picture. Exactly. So one of the things we do after a couple of meetings is we take a satellite picture of the farm or we get a satellite picture of the farm and we show them where all their buildings are, where their, um, where their ca- cattle graze, where all their feed is. And when we do this, farmers will take minutes to look at this photograph. And some of them are touched by it saying, I've never seen my farm like this before. This is the first time. And, and they're, they immediately look at it and say, what can I do to f- make this better? So that is how we start to introduce the big picture, the planning process. This is what we need to do. We need to, we need to think long range so that we can come back here and start to develop the steps to, to get to where you mm-hmm. want to yeah, be. Start with the end in mind. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's where we get their buy-in. Okay. You, you, you first show them that there's a cost improvement and then there's an operational improvement. And they say, gee, this thing, this, this is momentum here that is, is going forward for us. Well, the more uh, I hear about this, the more I like what I'm hearing because when we look at PMI, right, the Project Management Institute, every year they put out a survey called the Pulse of the Profession and give us data back on what's working and what's not working. And the number one indicator or reason for project success is an actively engaged executive sponsor. Mm -hmm. In a farm, that becomes easier, I think, than in a traditional industry. Because the farm is usually, sounds like single owned, longtime owner, heavily invested in the performance. Getting them actively engaged, I think, then helps make your projects become more successful. Yeah, and then you take it to another level like we do on the front end where we will come into a farm and go through these items. We discuss this. We talk about the project, what has to happen and. We start off with our software to say this is your entree in and this is helps organize that. But the other part that we sit down and do is to say this will help simplify what you're doing and transform what you're doing. And we say we believe in it so much, we'll give you 60, 90 days free. Anytime along the road, you want to kick us out, go. We haven't been kicked out. And it causes us to perform at a higher level because you're at risk. True. And we talk about the risk factors and project management and who's, who's, who's got buy-in. And boy, it's been one of the scariest things for me <laughs> as a small business owner and an entrepreneur and startup in a field that I have not worked in full time to bring a product to bear and be liable for the all the risk, really. Yeah. And, and certainly, we've heard a lot of the good so far in the discussion, but I'm assuming there are plenty of challenges and competition that you have to overcome to be able to be successful, right? Any new venture has those challenges. What What are some of those unique components within the farming industry? What are you running into that's making it a challenge? I, I think that um, there's a couple different places. First of all, I'm going to start with there's a group of farmers who have really uh, used technology and feel they're doing quite well. Uh, 
And uh, they say, we don't need any, any new adjustments. And that's, that's a small percentage, 10 or 15%. There's, a, there's another percentage who just don't want to change. They've been doing it forever. And that's another 15 or 20%. What we're focusing on is that 70, 80% in the middle that will, will look at technology and say, okay, this can help me. So what we have to do then is walk in and, again, not tell them that we're going to change their business, but try to learn their business and then gradually bring in these processes and these, these procedures uh, so that they um, so that they accept them. So we're going to get some people that say no. That's okay. We're going to get some people who are going to be slow um, to get on board, but we eventually do it. That's, that's one of the challenges. The other challenge we have is um, because every farm is different, we have to adjust. We have to adjust our technique. I, I mentioned every farm is different. We have to adjust our technique so that we can win over these people and get them uh, so that um, they can see the benefits. So that and um, I think another challenge we have is we're not going to go knock on doors. We want to have what we call business partners who are in the dairy industry uh, who know us well and know we've been successful to introduce us. So we have we have a team of veterinarians. We talk to some banks. Uh, banks love us because we actually, because our reporting can be done monthly and it's very accurate, banks will look at farms who use our software as a lower interest rate. I'm sorry, as, as a lower risk. So they provide a lower interest rate. So the farmer pays less for his, his loan. So we, we, our challenge is to go out and work with the banks, the veterinarians, the, um, the feed producers, so that um, we can partner with them. Us knocking on the door and saying, hey, we can, we can save you, you know, 10% on your feed probably isn't going isn't gonna to work. But if a veterinarian who a farmer trusts very, very well knows us and respects us, they will introduce us. And, and that helps a lot. So. Yeah, and I, th- I think a big thing, which is really different here, is the relationship. Jeannie, you said that. Yeah. And the trust. Yeah. You don't get trust. You got to build it. You got to earn it. So there's this cultural thing of where they, Joe, they may not be able to engage because their nature is, I got to see it to believe it. First we try, then we trust. Mm -hmm. And it's different from a corporate environment where you've got infrastructure where it's like, Mm -hmm. oh no, we got to look. We have to get this done because we're going to get, you know, fined or what have you because if we don't do these certain things. And it's, yeah. Yeah. And and it's a different environment to look at that and have Mm -hmm. that there where we talk about Six Sigma or lean. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, how do you get a cow Six Sigma? How do you get a cow <laughs> lean? But there's there's some commonalities as I, I think about this, right? Jeannie, as a consultant, you're going into each client mm-hmm. is new. And as much as they're doing with the farms and having to go in and learn that business and learn that farm, how it works, mm-hmm. you're doing the same thing, yeah. right? Yeah. You need to go learn. There's a learn. commonality there. Exactly. Yeah. Share with us a little bit of that, you know, that mindset as a project management consultant mm-hmm. versus your time when you were project management employee. Right. FTE for 18 years. Yeah. yeah. So um, it, just the personalities and learning, you know, 
what makes people tick and understanding their nature like you guys do, you know, when you go to farm to farm and each farmer has their own personality, as you know. It's also, you know, showing your skill set and letting them learn to trust you. And I've got a great resume and I'm look good on paper, but prove it, you know. So you got to go in there and not go in like a bulldog. You know, you have to go in softly and learn their business. That's ex- I was thinking my that's what I do too. Because I also had a little stint uh, setting up a PMO for a company as well, because I've got a little background. When I worked at Key, we created a PMO and we had the infrastructure team, the development team, and the line of business team all had PMs. And we all had to come together and we all had these different personalities and, oh, that dark side, because it's like, oh, the development people, they don't understand infrastructure and back and forth. So we really got to understand each other. And I learned a lot from that experience while I was managing projects too. So then I took that those skills when I got hired on to do like a four or five month little stint as a consultant and I set up a PMO for someone and I'm thinking as you guys are talking, Thor and Jim, the same things I was doing, learning their personality, learning their business. That's the first thing you got to do. And what I made them do is I said, okay, what do you do? And I made them think from soup to nuts when the, when the work comes in, when the sales come in to operations, when it has to be supported. Mm-hmm. Same thing, That's right? Yeah. I did the same thing. So what did, what are you guys doing? And then we sat down and we got down to the brass tacks of, okay, how can we fix this or help you or save you time and money? Now it wasn't obviously corn feed, you know, milk and right. all that stuff, but it was a process that they needed to fine tune. And I was in the middle, I'm the project management. So I was coming in and I had to fine tune the project management piece of it. And then how does it go to the to support team? Um, and that was a really cool, you know, experience to, to do that and to, to learn. And I learned a lot about myself as well, you know? So having them understand where I'm coming from, but knowing that I'm understanding them back, I think that come see, come saw, you know, that's that, then the synergies start to build mm-hmm. and then that trust starts to build. Right. Right. So again, the theme here is people. You know, well, and I, I think felt. project management again, one of the reasons we do this show is to help educate and elevate our profession yes. and to show that it doesn't matter the industry, mm-hmm. our challenges and our benefits are really the same. Right? Mm. Now, the work becomes different, the product or service that you're producing certainly is unique from a farm compared to a data center right. or a PMO, right? But we're finding the commonality. And as project managers from an education perspective, for those listening, know that you don't have to pick an industry that is going to make you be successful in project management. Have your passion for project management and find the industry you want to go use it in. Absolutely. Amen. And, and, And I think, you know, as we look at, we're just looking at feed. But if you look at the production process of a dairy, there are so many other activities that could use project management in any farm from even if you don't have cattle, there's planting, there's equipment project management. You know, how how do you manage your equipment and all your resources? There's a lot of ways where project management can be applied in several different aspects of of any farm. It, It doesn't sound like it. But because it's a process and it's a cycle, it can be done. Mm -hmm. And even like do some Lean Six Sigma on those things. And then you go in and project manage to get it to where it needs to be. Yeah, to streamline it. Yeah, Yeah. good stuff. So Thor Feed, I think Thor, you mentioned you're about four years. Is that correct? Four years from inception. 
what's next, right? You're still you're still learning to crawl, I think, as a company, right? So <laughs> where do you go? To crawl. We have a number of customers, and we are developing. So th- my concept here for Thor Feed is the feed portion on a farm. As you're looking at it and saying this is a an area that's not really looked at, and in lean times, you know, airlines right now are wondering where they're going to get their fuel, and mm-hmm. because that fuels the jets. So the farmers are running into hard times now. So we look at the feed, but there's also a whole other area of inventory on the farm. Yeah, storage. Do you know what tractors you have? Mm. Do you know the equipment that you have? Mm. How many tanks do you have? And you'd be amazed at, I know it sounds kind of silly, but we walk around farms and we're like, hey, uh, you guys know that there's six boxes with refrigerators over there. Just sitting there. And right? they're covered with pigeon poop. Oh. <laughs> um, how long have they? Oh, yeah. We've had those about nine years. Wow. Gosh. You know, and we're like, you know, if you sold those on eBay right now, you'd pay for our stuff for the month. Next week we come back and they're gone. Just mm-hmm. it, it's good. It, it's little stuff like this, but it's so first of all, it's the feed. Then it's the general inventory. And we've been asked to get into more of the project management and consulting. So farms will come and say, hey, how do we handle this with the the year, with the harvest? They're looking at post-harvest. They're saying, how are we doing this as a team to be able to work with that? Um, Recommending books like Scaling Up. And that's a fantastic book if somebody has not read that. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Uh, It's the compendium of business books, I think, (laughs) to be able to do that. But it's looking at that and looking to the future of the industry and some of the things that are out there. So I don't think it will just be here. As Jim said, we're getting involved with the feed mills who are saying, wait a minute, or the farms actually, who are saying, I'm a two, three person shop. I got to call a mill. Then I got to go over there, sign for it. Can I just use your app and have it automatically order? And the bank say, hey, you get a line of credit. You're good to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and just be able to do that. So working with mills and then working with farms. And then we've been asked, especially with all the rain in the Midwest and the flooding, to look at the ability to say, as a farmer, why do I have to go through all these commodities exchanges and sell them to brokers and mills? If a farmer in Pennsylvania wants my hay, I just send it to you. Mm-hmm. And the can app? the app wow. order a truck, get the feed, do the billing, and walk through that the process? logistics is great. just streamlines the whole thing. So there's it. a number of areas that get in there. And um, this is where I, I look at Eugenia. I'm like, uh, IT support, help, project management. Yes. I'm not an IT guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just a Marine trying to figure this out and in the wrong. That's why you got Jim. That's yeah. what he's for. <laughs> well, the, the beauty of where you say you're just a Marine, right, is if, again, I, I love finding commonalities of across the board of project management. In the military, you had mission after mission mm-hmm. with a defined beginning and end with a desired outcome, therefore a project. Yes. So you've been project managing for decades. And now you're finding a way to use that in a new space. Yeah. And when I hear this discussion, and Jeannie, I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. To me, it sounds like you've got each of these farms has multiple programs mm-hmm. of which there's a project working underneath them or multiple projects, obviously, to make the program. And 
genius and experienced program manager, mm-hmm. right? I've done it too, yeah. You, you feel the, the sense of how do you work with them to execute each project cumulatively to benefit a program. Right, yeah. Do you have multiple program or project managers under a program manager yet? Um, no. You guys are no, so okay. Because no, no. I can see Thor Feed and More coming. It's not just going to be Thor Feed. <laughs> it's going to be Thor Feed and More. There's, <laughs> sure. there's Thor Farm, which is incorporated and in being set up and developed. That's so cool. Okay. To, to be able to look at that, but then expand that. And you guys, here's the big thing that I learned out of the Marine Corps is my why, which is you know, my passion mm-hmm. is to simplify and transform. Yeah. So if yeah. I can sit there and say, can you look on your phone and know that you have two and a half million dollars worth of feed mm-hmm. in bags and pits and piles in bins and you know you're within 2%. And, right? and you say that's no that's different than you've got a hundred racks yeah. With 100 That's servers so with a certain amount of sand yeah. that cost you $2.5 million as an organization mm-hmm. and is it current? Right? Like it, and yeah. is it being utilized? Yeah, and is it inefficient? Is it out of support yet? Or, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll go VM. Forget it. Forget the physical boxes. Right. Yeah. VM. <laughs> you can't go VM with feet. No, you <laughs> can't. You can't. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> can but, you but imagine the, virtual cows? Oh, gosh. Okay. The, the other thing the farmer's <laughs> going to look at is okay, I've got all this feed. When do I need more? Oh, yeah, and the that, just in time. Uh, uh, well, no, mm-hmm. not there. It's mm-hmm. just when do I have to when do I have to replace this? And that's one mm-hmm. of the things we provide so that okay. they have a long horizon to figure out what their next step is. Do I buy it? Do I plant it? Mm-hmm. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And um, that gives them comfort. So if if I know that every six months there's a harvest cycle, if I can start to plan and I know how many cows I'm going to have, I can really get precision as to what I need with a long time to, to produce mm-hmm. that. That gives me comfort. Yeah, it, no. I'm, not, I'm not lying awake at night thinking, I don't know where I'm going to feed these cows. I don't yeah. know what I'm going to feed no these worries. cows in, in a yeah. month or a week. And the opportunity cost of that, they can focus on other things on the business and not worry and be up at night and they that's can sleep the, well. Yeah. And yeah, and the, that's they, they go through and do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, something that was interesting to me, Arizona is one of the biggest exporters of hay. In the United States, because we can grow and it's about every 90 days, a new crop can be put in. Yeah. And so these farms will sit there and say, I'm going to offset my costs by selling my hay overseas. Now, that means that they have to manage what land they have. Here, water's a resource, so they don't have that. And they start putting these things together. And when you take them from, hey, we're worried about this and we've... We always keep about a nine months worth of feed on the shelf. And you're like, well, that nine months worth of feed just kind of, it's yeah. feed. Yeah. It degrades. Yeah. I was going to say, does it go bad? And this is part of the 18% de- degradation, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. The feed loss, right? Yeah. right? You guys are yeah. talking about? Mm. So a question would be, if I'm hearing all of this, right? My brain is just going. <laughs> I'm, I'm going interested. You can tell I'm like it, really into this is, farm stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I, where are the requirements though? Right. So, mm, Jeannie, right, you're, you're going through your projects. You mentioned at the top of this is you, you work from your charter and your requirements and your plan, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Where, where are, you, are you hearing requirements in any of this? You're hearing end results and you're I think they're gathering benefits. them, but they didn't actually say requirements. Well, well, I, well I think what we're, what we're asking is when we try to learn about their farm is, number one, 
how many cows do you want to feed? Mm-hmm. So then we identify how much feed we need. And then the next, the next question we ask is not only how many cows you want to feed, is what quality of milk do you want to produce? Because that will identify the types of feed that provide the nutrition to give you the highest quality milk. Mm-hmm. So those are the requirements that we ask early in the process. How do you guys re- um copy those down or, or, or gather them? Well, what we do actually in the room mm-hmm. is the nutritionist. Okay. The the um, head of the farm says, the most important thing for me is quality of milk. I'm going to have 2,400 cows. I need to have this quality of, and, and there's a certain phrase that they use. And so the nutritionist has to plan for 2,400 cows with this nutri- nutrition requirement to produce this quality of milk. Mm-hmm. They have to do that research. That's why you need a nutritionist in the room to do that part. And it's mm-hmm. their job to manage the plant. You know, it's there to identify how much feed. And then someone else, an agronomist, has got to watch that feed and then find out when is the right time to harvest it at the right length let it dry out sufficiently, <laughs> then pack it and then store it. And each one of those steps is where shrink happens. Okay. So in that whole process, we are identifying what you need to do to maximize your harvest return. How do you document that though? So it all comes down to two things. What? First, you have to measure. Okay. And then you can manage. You write all those down, right? You have so spreadsheets. And- so here's what you got in. Here's your tonnage. Here's mm-hmm. where you put it. Here's what form you put it in. And you start with that and you say, this is my money in the bank. And then you measure that and you watch that process with a good series of checklists, good evaluation, good metrics for those. And then you watch that go through the inventory and supply chain process and you say, Ah, here we go. You know, you're you're putting these things into a pit and you're supposed to run over it and Jim and I will go out and check the tire pressure or the actual weight of the tractor to see if it's actually compressing it. And then we come back and we're like, not so much. You've got this guy driving over here for 24 hours over this giant pit, but he's half as weighty should be to get the compression that you need to stop the degradation in the wow, process. Wow, you guys get really nitty-gritty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We feel uh, U-Haul likes me because I get the book boxes, <laughs> which are one cubic meter <laughs> or one, one cubic foot. Mm-hmm. And we fill that with feed that falls out of trucks, out of the pits, out of the piles, the stuff that blows around. We collect that up and you sit there and you look out in like in a parking lot and you've got 30 bunches of this and you're like that's eighteen hundred dollars laying there i think i found a new tagline for you guys uh-huh. shrink happens <laughs> yep. Yep. but we'll prevent it <laughs> but well and, and that's that's the thing it's it's like all of us i was telling jim on the way over here the feed the feed inventory and we talk about project management mm-hmm. let's bring it home as a family if I don't have something in the fridge or I don't have what I want, I can run to the store or I'll just go over to Culver's or out to eat. You can't take 1,500 head of cattle out to eat no. real quick. Right. <laughs> and you got to think ahead. Mm-hmm. And somewhere between this whole margin, and it's really a challenge. And this is where this whole project management comes together and the people and the communications to say, man, you have got a hard job. 
24-7, seven days a week, they do. 52 you know, weeks a year, weeks a year yeah. in, out, whether you're there or not, these cattle need to be milked, they need to be taken care of, they need to be nurtured, the feed has to get in. Yeah. This is not, uh, hey, I go home and I'm just a, you know, 0.1 or 0.9 FTE. It is 24-7. And when you can simplify that and transform that and then save money and, and save money and time, mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, you mean I can go out there and scan this with my phone? It's, we use QR codes along the bags or along the forms. Oh, and you say, all right, I, I put a thousand pounds of feed or a thousand tons of feed in here. Mm-hmm. Every 10, 20 feet, we put a tag on there. And then they just scan it as they go along. And just that quick, it updates. And they're like, oh, now I don't have to go to my ranch hand who's helping me with the feed. I don't have to go to the guy who's pulling it out of the feed. I don't have to go to three other people to guess. And you know what? The technology supersedes the communications barrier. You get out your app, you pull it up. They're downloading it in 30 seconds saying, can't argue code. with it. Code. Yeah, this is code. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the, the the younger people who are doing this work, they get may it. not speak English, but boy, they can download an app and get it. Oh yeah, that's true too. I keep forgetting the language barrier. You're, you're, you guys have that extra nuance here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it's and it's neat to see the boss be like, "Well, I don't know if I want him to do that." And then two weeks later, they're like, "Well, yeah. you know, you haven't updated your report. You know, who's out there scanning now?" It, so you don't get that initial buy-in because typically they're not the tech leader mm-hmm. on the farm. Yeah. Um, so it's, a, it's, it's real different. So, Cheney, you had touched on something that mm-hmm. I want to follow up on. You had talked mm-hmm. about what tools you're using, right? Spreadsheets and yeah. Microsoft Project. And so what are some of the standard tools you use Okay. To help along the the course of a project, you hit on them. Microsoft Project and Excel; those are the main two ones. Uh, we we have a, a tool called Jira. It's pretty standard. Mm-hmm. That's we we gather our issues and risks issues and risks on that. But I would say Word, except I mean all the Office products. You know, you can think of um, Excel is our best friend, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the project plan. You know, we we use um, of course MS Project that helps us in the Gantt charts. To help you see, um, it's nice because it rolls up to a percent complete. Sometimes is that really, you know, like, well, I think it's 20%, you know, you kind of swag and then you get, you know, and then we also have status reports that we do on a weekly basis. That's one of our tools as well to help. It, it helps you gather what's going on on the project too and dump it on a piece of paper, right? Or electronic paper. And then it also helps you communicate with upper management, you know, in my corporate settings that I, I deal with. And um, those are the, the basic, the main tools that we use. You know, of course, there's this other tools like your communication and all those kinds of things that you'd, we do. But uh, for hard tools, that's what we, we utilize. And then every now and then I might pull out the, the pinbox. <laughs> they're like, oh, God, Jeannie. I'm like, this is what we're supposed to be. So I'm by the book, but at the same time, people need structure. And if you can bring them back to the structure, I think that helps get a home base and they feel comfortable. They're back in a comfort zone. Because there's a lot of chaos on projects, let's be honest. If you can manage that chaos with some structure, I think that's half the battle. And tools are a good way to do that. So Yeah, and I'm wondering from, again, it sounds like project management to farming is fairly new, much like it used to be in other industries. And project management as a whole, formal project management is really only 50 years old or so, right? So it's new to begin with. But some industries are, are obviously more 
widespread and adopted it. So within farming, you're having these conversations and you're showing the benefits. Do you actually do things like build a Microsoft project schedule for these activities? How, how deep are you getting into the PM side of it? This is the, as, as we, before Jim answers that, because <laughs> he's chomping, I, can I, see I, I wish you guys could have seen this when Jim and I started working together, but um, <laughs> he'll explain some of this. Jeannie, one of the things I wanted to ask you yes. in, in, after Jim asks, sorry, I'm not trying to hijack this, <laughs> Joe. I'm really eager to ask you, how do you organize like a good meeting? Oh, Just let you think have on that. agenda. Yeah. Jim. Jim, what do we do? Do do we have a... Well, um, on the software development side, we do everything that you do, okay? Yeah. But in the on the farm, what we're introducing now are spreadsheet, Excel spreadsheets with identification of the next six months. This is what we have to do for the next harvest. Who's going to do what? Uh, who's taking responsibility? When are they going to do it? So it's a very simple checklist. That's what we're doing now. Okay. So right now, we're trying to get the farmers, we're introducing this, and we're trying to get the farmers to take ownership for this. Mm. And uh, and it's, it's a little hard, but they are starting to do that. Um, the other thing that we're finding is when we will have meetings sometimes twice a month, usually once a month. But what, what we noticed when we first started our meetings, we would have a meeting and we would discuss our agenda and ask them if they have anything else uh, for us. And they say no. But what would happen is we would leave or we'd go over the side of the room and they would start planning themselves. They, ne- they never have a scrum. Okay. They, never, they never get together at the end of the month unless we tell them to get together and mm-hmm. let's talk, let's talk about our successes. Let's talk about our failures. It's, it's this, you know, uh, let's get everybody on the same page and let's understand what's, what the key issues are. That's what we're trying to get them to do. And, and they're starting to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to follow up on one other thing, yeah. Jeannie, that you mentioned, how are we tracking? Well, we're tracking our inventory, but the farmer is also tracking his milk quality. So every time a, a co-op truck comes to take the milk um, out of uh, out of the dairy. They have to they have to measure the quality and they have to do um, let's say contamination uh, testing and all those quality types. checks, mm-hmm. all sorts of quality checks. But if we set parameters of where we want to be and uh, and we're reaching those, that's that's a positive thing. So so early in the year we identify what our milk quality wants to be, and as long as we're tracking with that, that's fine. That's one of the ways they do it. If if it's not tracking, then the nutritionist has to come in and say, oh, good, okay, what is it? Are we missing some sort of nutrition? So we may there may okay. be some substitution. So there's this monitoring, there's this measuring and monitoring and adjusting going forward mm-hmm. with, because the key thing is the milk quality. True. So, okay. The charts and graphs, not only just Gantt charts, but I'm sure you guys do a lot of charting and, right? More starting mm-hmm. to get get more okay. into that, but Pictures. one of the things, and this is what I was hoping Jim would say, and and watch his face when I say this. Sorry, mm-hmm. guys, you can't see this, but um, <laughs> when Jim and I started working together, the first thing he said was, "What steps do you do? Mm. In what order? See, that's what I How do. With the PMO. <laughs> Where does it go? What happens? What is and, your business? <laughs> and this is the challenge that we have a 
series of documents, Excel or Word documents that come in and we have steps to say, when we come on the farm, we've got the intro meeting. Then within 48 hours, we're back on deck. We're measuring. We're getting this. And here's all the critical components that we have to gather. And I'm kind of curious on this, Gene, your, your thoughts too. It's hard to project manage yourself. <laughs> Let's use that That's as a, a teaser <laughs> and say, unfortunately, we... And hard to believe these hours go by wow. so quick, but we've we're up on our hour, and we'll have Jeannie answer Thor <laughs> offline. And if you want that answer, you can you can uh, send in a, an email or a text. Or Before a we go, I'd like to give a shout out to my company, though RGP, so Resources Global Professionals. Yeah. Uh, any PMs out there who are looking for a job? This is one of the best companies in Arizona. Well, the, the world actually, they're worldwide to work for. They treat you like an FTE, but you're a consultant and you're, you know, they, they, they pay you for it. And it's, it's a wonderful organization to work for. So RGP, Resources Global Professionals, it's a spinoff of Deloitte. Um, it's been a while, but, and they're publicly traded too. Any singing gigs or anything coming up um, that you want to share? I'm working on that. So I'm a karaoke lady. So right now, um, eventually I'm going to get uh, a band together. I want to, there's a, a, I'm looking for a guitar player, a male guitar player who can sing. So if any, I really well. Pop rock covers kind of tunes, but I'm looking for an acoustic kind of a blend. And I want to start that up within the next couple of months and start playing out, you know, just like a weekend here, a weekend there, coffee shops, And if lounges, listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to, <laughs> to reach you? Um, LinkedIn or email? You or? Can, LinkedIn is the best way to <clears throat> Jeannie Berry. So J-E-A-N-N-E-B-A-R-R-Y uh, out of Phoenix, Arizona. Great. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for being on today. Thank you. Thor and Jim, any last words for our listeners about Thor Feed uh, and how they can get in touch with you to learn more about what you're doing? Yes, we have our website, thorfeed.com. We have Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Mm -hmm. So those are there. Myself, is I'm on Jim's there. So they can go through and do that or they could email me directly, thor at thorfeed.com. Without the cape. Without the cape. <laughs> but with the hammer. Um, but with the hammer. <laughs> but, but let's, um, Thor feed, the, the Thor in Thor feed stands for threats, hazards, operational risks. Mm. So that acronym. Okay. It's like a SWAT, but yeah, for Thor. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> Well, thank you all so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Joe. Uh, great conversation. Learned yeah. so much. I did too. And yeah, I have a whole new respect for farming. <laughs> it was great I to mean, learn I really do. Thanks, guys. So for our listeners, this is a reminder that we're live the first and third Thursday each month. Our next show will be back on November 1st. We've got a great lineup of local and national guests on future shows. Also a reminder that these shows are recorded, so be sure to subscribe to Project Management Office Hours podcast on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, you name the platform. Whatever's your favorite, we're out there on all of them. Also, thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad. They are expert PMO and project management experts. Uh, they provide solutions that are not cookie-cuttered cookie cuttered solutions. They're tailored for your organization. Head to the PMO Squad, where all we do is project management. We provide training, resources, PMO solutions, software selections, and help you implement your key strategic initiatives. Lastly, I'll also remind you, uh, I've got my Marine Corps Marathon coming up, so please make a donation for our charity, Team Red, White, and Blue. 
which is a national organization. None of the money comes to me, just the pain from running the marathon. You oh, can go on, Joe. It's <laughs> going to be fun. You can go to pmojoe.com and find a link there to Team Red, White, and Blue's charity uh, fundraising page. So that's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Mm-hmm.